Happy Easter. He is risen. Oh, at just the right moment, in the fullness of time, into a world filled with darkness came a light that still shines. And nobody captured that imagery, those themes of light and darkness better than someone who was there. A first century follower of Jesus named John. For the last seven weeks, we've been exploring what John reveals through a life that was so significant. History's timeline is divided as a result. And everything, everything, I hope this is one of the things that we've been able to drive home over the last couple of weeks. Everything, every detail, every character, every storyline that, that John included has been building towards the greatest reveal yet. And if you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to that in John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. Hey, we want to let you know too, if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to send you home with one today. Outside the lobby there after uh, the service, you want to pick up a copy there at the table. There's copies there for you. Let's take a look. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in. And he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. This is the Easter reading. And we see here now, there, there had been all these reveals up until this point. Now the big reveal, the big reveal had begun. And this morning, I'm so excited for this. We're going to focus on a detail, a detail that I've never noticed before. I've been reading the scriptures a long time, but I've never seen this, this detail we're going to look at today. It is a detail that reveals that God wants to do more than forgive our failures. He's going to redeem our failures and transform them into something remarkable if we let him. We had a lot of ground to cover this morning and not a lot of time to cover it. So I would encourage you to take out your yellow notes and let's get going here. Let's dive in. I encourage you to write this down. Our Lenten journey began seven weeks ago with an invitation to come and see. To come and see. Different people reacted differently when Jesus exposed the darkness in their lives. There were some when that darkness was exposed, they lashed out because they felt insulted or they felt threatened. Others rejected his message because they loved darkness more than the light. And there were others that feared what might happen. If we challenge the status quo, but there were some, there were some who desired to know the truth and what they experienced as a result changed their lives forever. There's a place to write this down in your notes too. Jesus came to redeem those who once walked in darkness. About 10 years ago, I commissioned a young man named Adam. We were about to move into this space right here and I said, could you build us an altar. 
And I picked Adam because I knew he would create something that, that had meaning to it, that wasn't just a decoration. And he exceeded my expectations. He created an altar. We have one of the pieces here. He created this altar that was both three and one, which was amazing, but he didn't stop there. He also created an altar that had these arches built in, arches that pointed the heavens, arches that resembled fishing boats, altars that, there are arches that, that resembled stained glass windows, but that wasn't enough. Adam chose a medium that he called reclaimed wood. A lot of us know what reclaimed wood is now because it's a trendy kind of thing. Ten years ago, I'd never heard that term before. And I'm like, why did you use used wood? Adam wasn't trying to follow a trend. This detail, the medium of reclaimed wood, it captured this idea of redemption. The word redeem, it means to buy back. John was at the foot of the cross when Jesus said, it is finished. In the original Greek, I didn't know this, that's one word. It's one word. And it is the word that you would write on a bill that had been paid. When Jesus said, it is finished, he used the word that you would use to say if a bill had been paid. Adam chose something that was once discarded when he created this altar. And then he purchased it and he transformed it into something beautiful and something purposeful. And most weeks, Peter's or pieces of Adam's new creation, they bear witness to God's resurrection power, a power that can redeem even our greatest failures. And what John does is he brings his gospel to a close. As he says, well, he doesn't say, he shows us. He shows us what redemption looks like in the life of a person. And he does so by providing this detail that is so subtle that I've missed it for 49 years. The detail is a charcoal fire that was present at the point of Peter's greatest failure on a dark night, and then it reappears in the account that we're going to look at this Easter. For those of you who are on Friday, you know the backstory. Peter, he had seen Jesus perform miraculous signs, water turned to wine, sight restored to the blind, Lazarus coming forth from the grave. Peter had heard Jesus teach like no one else had taught before. Jesus knew things that no person could have known. And Jesus called Peter to walk on the water. Peter's got to be feeling really good about this. I'm with the right guy. The right guy thinks I'm pretty cool. Jesus even gave Peter the name Peter, which means what? The rock. Who had the name the rock first? (laughs) Peter or this guy? Peter. Well, Peter started thinking he's this guy because all of these things are happening all around him and this this photo is basically how Peter began to see himself but a charcoal fire. The light of a charcoal fire brought the truth to light in his life. And on the cold, dark night of Jesus' betrayal, the truth was revealed that Peter had been blinded by pride. And he was overcome with fear. And when his moment came to honor the one that he called Lord at that charcoal fire, Peter failed. Peter failed. We've got one quote for you this morning that doesn't come from the Bible, and it's so good. We printed it up for you. It's in, the, in your notes. We put it on the backs. So I'd encourage you to take it home and, and reflect on it. But let me, let me share what it says. This is a quote from a book that we've been re- recommending throughout this series that takes you deeper into the book of John. 
He says this about this thing we're talking about right now. He says, I don't know much about mental health and the therapy that can produce it, but I do know a little about the healing of memories and the finding of a forgiveness that can go back to a buried hurt, fear, failure, or sin and deal with it. I've had the privilege of working pastorally with people and watching as a deep, unhealed wound was gently exposed and dealt with in love and prayer and enabled at last to find healing. Peter insists loudly and emphatically that he will remain loyal to Jesus. He is prepared to lay down his life on Jesus' behalf. Then, in chapter 18, we watch helplessly as Peter tries and fails. He follows, but when he gets to uh, there, it, it all goes horribly wrong. Then instead of getting out quickly before worse occurs, he stays and he gets it wrong again and again. And it all happens beside a what? A charcoal fire. Think back to the smell of that fire wafting through the chilly April air. Think of Peter going out in shame, angry with himself, knowing that Jesus knew, knowing that the beloved disciple knew, knowing that God knew, and hearing the next day what happened to Jesus. Not even, look at these words, not even the resurrection itself could wave a magic wand and get rid of that memory. Nothing could except revisiting it and bathing it in God's own healing. Revisiting Peter's failure and bringing redemption to this wound is exactly what Jesus is about to do. And of course, he's going to do it where? At a charcoal fire. Let's go back to the scriptures. We're going to pick up the story at John 21, 1. And I want to, as best you can, imagine yourself now at the Sea of Galilee. This is after Jesus rose. He, he appeared to his disciples. And then this event happens. The Sea of Galilee, which is also known as the Sea of Tiberias. That's how they're going to refer to it here. And I just, this hit me at 7.15 this morning. This comes at the very end. This is the last chapter of the, at least the way they're arranged in our Bible, is the last gospel. They're at the Sea of Galilee. In the very first of our Gospels, where does everything begin with the disciples? At the Sea of Galilee with some fishermen who Jesus says, follow me. Never noticed that before. There's so much in the scriptures. Here's what the account says. The last chapter of John. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Now, as John introduces this moment, he telegraphs. Well, we're we're going to see something here that is more than a neat trick. Jesus is going to do something amazing. It's more than a neat trick. Jesus is about to reveal the heart and the character of God, and he's not just doing it for Peter, but for people like you and me. Let's jump to verse 2. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out and they got into the boat. But at night, at night, they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. 
that disciple that Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, he threw himself into the sea, and the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Throughout this series, we've seen when John includes a detail, he includes it for a reason. This week, I, I had to make sure that this detail isn't just something that one of my translations said. So I went back and I looked at as many translations as I could. And in all of the translations that are the ones that try to be literal in their translation, all of them either said in both when Peter was denying it was a charcoal fire and at this sea it was a charcoal fire. All of them used either charcoal fire or fire of coals to describe both fires. And as I'm standing up here and I can smell this wood, this charcoal, smell is one of the most powerful memory reminders there are. It is one of the most memory-invoking senses that we have arguably the most. As Peter sat down to breakfast that Jesus had prepared after hauling in a record catch of fish that Jesus had directed them to, Peter smelled that charcoal fire. And I wonder... As Peter was sitting there and he smells this charcoal fire, I wonder if he realized this is on purpose. And as he had that realization, here's what I picture. I picture Peter thinking, oh, Jesus did this. And he looks up at, Pete, at Jesus. And I can picture Jesus just sitting back going, he's grinning. Can you see that? Just grinning. Yeah, I did this on purpose. And as Peter starts to shake his head at this act of amazing grace, I can picture Jesus getting up and say, let's go for a walk, Peter. Let's go for a walk. You know, Peter's got to be thinking inside, uh-oh, here it comes. Here it comes. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And he gave, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. When Peter ran to that empty tomb on Sunday morning, Think about this. When he first ran to that empty tomb, he heard word that Jesus' tomb is empty. Inside, he's probably going, he gets there. Yep, he's gone. And he didn't say goodbye, and I don't blame him. And now there's this. Three times, Peter had denied Christ. And as the smell of that charcoal fire lingered, Peter was given how many opportunities how many opportunities to profess his devotion now to the resurrected Christ? Three. Not only does Jesus make it clear that Peter has been redeemed, because three is a number of completion, but Jesus now reinstates Peter as the shepherd to his flock. Even after all of those things, 
Not long after this encounter with Christ on the shore of the Sea of Tiberias, Peter would stand before a huge crowd on Pentecost and he would share the good news that had changed the world forever. Jesus reinstated him and Peter would lead that church of Jesus Christ. And history records, we often forget this, history records that ultimately Peter did lay down his life for the call rather than deny that he was a follower. They say that the greatest leaders walk with a limp. Jesus had taken Peter's greatest failure and had redeemed it. We have been called forth from the darkness by name. And we can bring our failures to the cross. And if we do that, we come away redeemed. But the good news does not stop there. There is always a redeemed and. Isn't that beautiful? There is a redeemed and. It is not as amazing as it is that our failures, our sins are forgiven. It's better than that. There's a redeemed and. And I don't know what your redeemed and is. For Peter, it was redeemed and reinstated. For you, it might be one of these things that we have in in these yellow sheets. For you, it might be redeemed and restored or redeemed and resolved or redeemed and received or redeemed and reformed or redeemed and renewed or redeemed and reunited or redeemed and reconciled or redeemed in something that doesn't start with an R and an E. But isn't this the beauty of it? There's a redeemed and. He has plans and purposes no matter where you've been. He wants to redeem even our failures and make something beautiful from them. Which is why we'd encourage you to take these notes home. Up in the front here, we have these little bags of coal too. We'd encourage you, if you didn't take one on Friday, to bring one home. Little bags of coal that say, come and see. Come and see what God can do with your life, regardless of the mistakes you've made. Jesus invites all of us to come and see. To come and see that redemption is the beginning of a new life. That redemption and resurrection, they're more than a doctrine or event. There's a place to write this in your notes. The resurrection is also a what? The resurrection is a person. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Which is why he says to Peter as they walk together, which echoes what he first said to Peter. Verse 19, after saying this to him, he said what? He said, follow me. Follow me. That's how the whole thing started with some fishermen who responded to Jesus when he said, follow me. Our journey is never over, never over. God will continue to open our eyes to newer and greater things if we desire to see. As the worship band comes forward, we got one last talk point for this series, one last talk point for this Easter Sunday. It's the invitation that Jesus extended from the start. The resurrected Christ invites us to what? Follow him. And as you do, you're going to see Jesus of Nazareth will continue to reveal things about himself and yourself that is going to light your path and give you hope. Give you hope. Anybody here need hope? Nobody except me. Well, I need hope. And All right, the two of us that need hope. So, the two of us need hope. Yes, he offers it. And we need it. Remaining in the darkness, we saw this on Friday, it destroyed Judas. Remaining in darkness will destroy you. Jesus invites us to come and see. Be redeemed. Be resurrected. 
And that's what this song is about. Let's pray. Father, we pray that these words now would be more than words, that your Holy Spirit would be infused in them. Help us to come away from this moment with a deeper understanding that resurrection, it's not a cliche. Resurrection isn't a, some kind of made-up event. It is a reality that happened, can happen today, and one day you're going to call all your people home. Help us experience the power of that through the song in Jesus' name. Amen.